Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap series, where we talk to different industry experts about uh, just any topic of Bridging the Gap. But today we're talking about artificial intelligence and industrial automation. Uh, we have a great guest lined up once again for the third time in a row. Uh, we're going to have him on another time in the future, uh, Jeff Winter, who is an expert in digital transformation, industry 4.0, artificial intelligence. But before we talk about Jeff, let's talk about ourselves, because what's really important in this series mm, is Tyler and Gary. I'm one of the hosts. I'm Gary Cohen. I am the other host, Tyler Wall, and we work for a company, as you know, you are on the site. We work for CFE Media and Technology. Uh, we are a company that covers several different uh, verticals in the marketplace. You know, we cover industrial automation, uh, manufacturing operations, com commercial construction, cybersecurity, and, I mean, artificial intelligence touches every single one of those topics. So what a great conversation to have and the opportunity to have it. Yeah, if you look at our verticals, it's pretty obvious why AI is a concern. But one of the things that's, that's fantastic about AI is, and we talk about this throughout the series, and especially with Jeff Winter, it's, it's moving so fast that it is really touching everything right now. So if you work in the automotive sector, control engineering, education, uh, making movies, AI is touching everything. So, and, and from the C-suite down to the plant floor, it really is cutting across everything and really is impacting, having a big impact in manufacturing in a lot of the verticals we cover. Mm, exactly. And I've, I haven't said enough in this podcast already, but we did have a survey that went out to a bunch of our subscribers uh, just covering uh, industrial automation and how artificial intelligence will play into that. It's a little confusing, AI and IA. Uh, you know, we had a lot of different respondents uh, talk to us. And, you know, these people, they're everyone from directors, uh, C-level uh, vice presidents, all the way down to, I mean, and user engineers and plant floor workers and IT and managers. So we had a pretty wide slew of people uh, respond and just give us a bunch of great input for our survey. Exactly. And, and in this version, in episode three here, episode three, uh, we talked about you know, trust in AI. We talked a little bit about implementation. Uh, we're going to kind of get into nitty gritty today about the strengths and weaknesses of AI, what it does well, what it doesn't do well. And that's, that's part of what our research focused on is what are people using it for and what are people using it well for. And, and later in this, Jeff will have some really good insights about how companies are using it and how it's being optimized and where they're maybe using it in ways that it may not be designed for. Mm. So there's some really interesting stuff in there. But if we go back to our research, which Tyler so deftly and, and adeptly noted, mm -hmm. uh, we started asking our people about the role of AI in improving energy efficiency. Because this is one of the things that when we asked them, how is AI impacting your operations, energy efficiency was, was often at the top of the, the queue there. So, yes. um, there, there, and the responses came in about what we expected. 50% said AI will significantly improve energy efficiency and resource consumption. 43% uh, said AI will have a moderate impact. Only 7% said that it's going to be minimal. So again, that's 93% of people who said, yes, this will have some sort of impact, whether significant or moderate, on energy efficiency. So that's a, that's a big marker, and that's obviously one of the places that it's... Uh, it's going to be, I think, very impactful in the near future. I think it will, we'll find places where it becomes more impactful and places where it'll add that it isn't adding right now, but energy efficiency is one of those places that I think everybody sees value for now. Efficiency is the name of the game. It is, truly. Which was one of the names of this podcast. Efficiency mm -hmm. is the name of the game. Yes. We went with bridging the gap. Mm -hmm. uh, we also talked about the necessity of stricter regulations. We asked, should there be stricter regulations and standards in place for the use of AI and industrial automation? 
Uh, this, to me, is one of the questions that we asked that really resonated the most. Because when you're talking about AI adoption, uh, we talked a little bit in the last episode about how people are, are running before they're walking. They're, they're trying to adopt this so quickly that sometimes we're not ready for it. And so this idea of um, the, the need for regulations or standards to be in place, I think is really relevant. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit with Jeff later, but this idea that, you know, what are, what are we freely giving to AI? I don't, I don't want to get too Terminator AI overlords are coming to, to destroy the world, but I mean, we, if you are giving company secrets, especially in manufacturing, if you're giving your secret sauce to a, a, a publicly uh, facing AI program, Where's that going? What's happening with it? Do you need to wall off your AI, create your own AI so you've got privacy in your company? The answer to that is probably yes. Uh, but regulations, government regulations, how is this going to be handled? Because there are a lot of privacy concerns. So, and and uh, I'm not speaking out of turn here. I mean, everybody thought this. 63% of people said that, yes, stricter regu regulations are necessary for ethical AI adoption. Sorry for that very loud. Yes, 24% uh, said that current regulations are sufficient, no need for more. Um, only 13% said that no stricter regulations might hinder the adoption of AI. So people understand that those regulations are, are pretty important out there. Well, another good uh, survey point we also um, partook of, if you will. I like the word partook. Uh, uh, we asked uh, which is more effective, AI to optimize or redesign a process. And 41% of respondents said that both approaches can be equally effective uh, for different scenarios, which I think is a very good... Uh, good answer, just because there are AI is such a diverse tool and it has so many different use cases. And Jeff get, really gets into the details too on uh, AI to optimize versus uh, AI to redesign a process. Right. And so he'll be able to really speak to that um, that data there. Uh, and then twenty, uh, sorry, thirty-two percent said uh, optimizing existing processes, and then the other twenty-seven percent said that redesigning processes is the more effective use of it. And um, then one of the last questions we asked in this section was just about the business impact by product category. I mean, the process discrete or visionary system sensors, that was one of the higher product categories to change and with a major impact, followed by uh, you know, design, analytics, PLM, ERP, MES systems is also up there as well. So the general understanding too, though, is that, I mean, it's going to affect all of them, no matter what. Uh, so... It'll just vary a little bit um, from category to category, but just be on the lookout for AI uh, as it comes into your your territory and your position. Absolutely. And the next time you see Tyler and I sitting here, there'll be another dapper young gentleman sitting right there, mm -hmm. Jeff Winter. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Yes, we shall. All right, Jeff, thanks for coming back for part three. Uh, before we get into it here, I'm going to, of course, give you your list of credentials and all of that here uh, for the crowd. But Jeff is an industry 4.0 thought leader and influencer. In fact, he is number one in the world, according to Analytica. He's been recognized 13 times as being a top leader in his field and has amassed 80K followers on LinkedIn and is recognized as one of the top AI influencers. He is known as, at, he is known as the guy at the, to take complex topics and explain them simply in a, for a wide audience, uh, from the shop floor to the C-suite, or as I like to say, from the shop to the top. Um, yeah, thanks again for being with us today. I mean, we're going to be talking about uh, just some of these different strengths and weaknesses within AI. So I'm excited to jump into it. Yeah, I like this topic a lot, so I'm looking forward to it. So just, I guess, to dive right in, um, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of AI compared to a traditional automation methods uh, in industrial processes? 
And this is a good question because it helps you kind of understand where to potentially use them. Now, I'm going to separate these out for understanding, but in most places you actually do both. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one or the other, it's how you kind of use them together. Traditional automation is logic-based, it's rule-based, which means that for the people that have been using it for the past 20, 30 years, they understand how it works because of the simplistic programming rules that are associated with it. You know, the concept of if-then logic is very easy to understand, easy to grasp, it's explainable, it's reliable, and it's predictable. Those are probably the three biggest benefits that you would have about traditional automation. It's reliable, it's predictable, and it's explainable. Now when you switch to AI, because of the way that AI works, it's actually deciding how to make the decisions rather than you explicitly programming how to do so. So therefore, the things that it's weak at is exactly the three things I named. It's hard to explain it, it's hard to predict what answer it's going to come out with, and it would arguably be harder to be reliable. It can be more accurate, but reliable is different. So I kind of want to you know, point those out. But the things that AI is really good at is adaptability. Mm -hmm. AI can make a lot of sense of a lot of things that traditional automation and traditional logic will struggle with. If your data isn't perfect in traditional logic, you'll get errors. Versus AI is even smart enough to eliminate those data sets or to potentially make sense of them. I mean, you can even use AI to clean up your data and then use AI to make sense of the data on top of it. So adaptability is going to be absolutely one of the, the big ones. It can also help with complex decision making, especially when you've got not just one or two variables that you're trying to compare against. Imagine having, like in the case of some companies for demand forecasting, three million different data points that you're pulling in together from external sources and you need to identify what's correlated with what. What are the most important things to pay attention to? AI is fantastic at that. So when it comes to classification or, you know, or regression or prediction, those are three things that you really can't rival it. Mm. And those are the things that it is great, great at. So that's probably where I'd say would be a difference between traditional automation and mm -hmm. AI. What challenges do, do industries face when they're trying to integrate AI technology with existing traditional automation? Is it a people, process, technology challenge? <laughs> it's actually not, not the technology challenge in general. You're going to find that talent shortage is going to be one of the, the biggest things. Because if you look at the speed at which AI has taken off, the world hasn't been able to adapt to that. I mean, think of how long it takes you know, your education to adapt from high school education to college education to make sure that the industry is prepared for a lot of these technologies. So we're just not ready yet. I mean, if you were to go search for the top uh, jobs in demand right now, the most unfilled are related to data science, computer science, and AI, specifically where it's called out. So we just can't find the people. Now, if you look at traditional automation, you know, myself included, I grew up in a PLC programming environment. I didn't learn the, you know, the... AI in terms of statistics and probabilities and, and how those models work. That's something that I've learned more recently in life because I've had to adapt to the world that I live in. So AI talent shortage is going to be the biggest one that I'm going to say that's going to be a challenge out there. Good luck finding the people. You're going to need to come up with programs to train 
and upskill and retrain your employees to be able to learn the specific parts that are beneficial for their roles, especially in industrial automation. Because even if your company does have a data science team, they're not going to be just supporting your function. They're going to be supporting every function in the business, and you're going to have to explain why yours is more important than theirs to get their time to help out with it. So that's going to be a big one. The other ones that I'm going to say are going to be related to data data quality and data availability. And this is more unique to the manufacturing environment than other industries or other departments. If you look at IT in general as a function, hardware gets replaced every couple of years. If you look at manufacturing, that's not true. You may have some machines that are up to 100 years old, and they may be running PLCs that are 20 or 30 years old because they perform one task over and over again. There's not as much of a need to replace it. That means that the manufacturing landscape has a significantly more wide range of technologies, protocols, and different platforms that you have to integrate with just to get the data at all let alone having the data contextualized and normalized in a, you know, in a way that makes sense for you. Because for you to get a whole bunch of variables from 1 to 100, something has to know what, does, what is that. Is that pressure? Is that temperature? And so you have to be able to make sense of all that to leverage your AI. So staff shortage, I would say, and that's all about the data are going to be the biggest challenges. Yeah, one of the things you said there really resonates with me. Because if you, if you listen to the ICS Pulse podcast, we talk about this all the time with people. Because there's a big skills gap there. And one of the things people keep telling us is, train your people, train your people, upskill, train, stop looking for the unicorn that has all these skills, teach the skills, which will help close that gap a little bit. Absolutely. So how do the ROI calculations differ when considering uh, investments in AI versus traditional automation for uh, these industrial processes? So it's, it's an interesting way you phrase that because as a concept, I would say the ROI is the same on any technology adoption. It is a measure of did you get the investment or more than you were hoping out of what you spent on it. Mm -hmm. That part would conceptually be similar. However, I don't also think that they're mutually exclusive when you're trying to compare AI versus, we'll say, traditional automation. And here's the reason why I say that. And then I'm going to get into some differences in how you actually can measure it more effectively. So if you look at uh, the first part, traditional automation is about the reduction of human intervention and processes. And it requires a big investment in physical stuff that you're doing it to replace humans in what they're physically doing. AI is a software, and so it's not actually being compared in the same environment. AI being a software, it, it usually has to control or integrate with something, which means the companies that are more automated are going to be the companies that can better take advantage of AI. You can't improve your processes if your processes aren't automated. So that's going to be one aspect if you're looking at kind of how you're evaluating the overall success is they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. They should be looked at as how can we take our automation process today and make them better through the use of AI because we have all the controls in place. They are automated. They're not manual processes. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing that makes AI differently, and this isn't unique to AI, it's just more compared to traditional automation projects are CapEx. They're large, expensive projects, you know, upfront costs that then have a minor cost from a maintenance standpoint, and they're a big investment one time. AI and a lot of technologies today that are especially running in the cloud are now as a service. They're subscription. That completely changes the way that ROI is graded based off of how you're paying for it. You may spend a million dollars on a new machine, and then you may spend a hundred dollars a month 
on your use of AI for predictive maintenance or process optimization. And part of the reason why those models are different is because a typical machine that automates something one time won't change very much at all unless you have people come in and completely reconfigure the machine. But AI being one that it can change so rapidly, you prefer a subscription model so that the company that's providing you those insights can update them in some cases, like our own company, every week or two that we're updating the AI models and how you're using it. So you want something that's more current and, and that you can take advantage of you know, all the changes that are occurring. So it changes the way that you grade it. It still ultimately gets back to, is this technology helping with your business outcomes? Because I'm going to say ROI has huge ROI when you use it appropriately. But I would also argue automation has huge ROI when you use it appropriately. So what are some common ways people should be measuring ROI for an AI-enabled system? So <laughs> this is where you, you need to look at how you're actually going to be grading the outcome of the success. And I, I alluded to this in one of the earlier uh, podcasts that we had is around the people that are actually running the, the AI projects are not the same as who are traditionally running your automation projects. Automation people have a good understanding of programming and the ability to, I'm going to say, automate. What they don't usually have is data science, computer science, and AI model training, which means that they need to pull in the IT team or consultants to help with that. Mm -hmm. And usually part of how they're graded is how effective the AI model is itself, its accuracy, its predictability. And so if you're leaving it up to them, they're going to state, look, my model is 97.2% accurate. And you may look at it and go, but it didn't improve our productivity. Mm -hmm. So you need to look at the productivity because you may have a model that's only 50% accurate but still improved your productivity by 30%. Is that a success? Mm -hmm. So this is the difference between how you grade the success of the initial ROI, or sorry, the initial install, the AI KPI, and then how you grade its success and improvement. Your model improvement should be how you grade its, its success and improvement, not its initial success uh, against not having AI. So I hope that kind of answers the question. It really should come down to the business outcomes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is obviously being adopted pretty quickly and across a wide range of verticals right now. I'm going to ask you to be a prognosticator for us for a second. Given the current trajectory of AI adoption and development, how do you envision the landscape of industrial automation changing over, let's say, the next decade? So it's funny. I would say as a concept, you're going to see the, the industrial automation space relatively remaining the same in terms of the automation, like I said, of processes. What you're going to see is the infusion of a lot of the industry 4.0 technologies into that process, whether it is artificial intelligence, blockchain, digital twin, IoT, quantum computing, any of this stuff that's coming out, you're going to see its infusion into the physical automation processes that are out there. In fact, there's an interesting study uh, that was actually conducted by Microsoft and Intel last year around smart factory initiatives, so companies that were focusing on just making a smart factory. And what they show is the top investment areas over the next three years. Number one was process automation, and number two was condition-based monitoring. I would argue that those are Industry 3.0 initiatives, which means that people are realizing, I can't take advantage of all this cool technology out there, like AI, if I don't have my processes optimized, or you know, the ability to automate them, and my ability to monitor them. You need to have those in place. So we're actually seeing a chunk of... The, the industry 3.0 market increasing solely because of the vision of industry 4.0. And so it's actually causing more spend 
in automation, in addition to a massive growth in all the cool new Industry 4.0 stuff. Got to walk before you can run. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thanks again for sitting down with us uh, to talk more about the strengths and weaknesses of AI, and uh, we definitely can't wait to talk to you on the next one, hint, hint, uh, about business impact and implementation. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. And there you have it, folks. That was Jeff Winter on some of the strengths and weaknesses of AI here on our Bridging the Gap series. A lot, a lot of interesting stuff there, a lot of insights. And this is the one, look, all of these have been fantastic. Let's be honest, all of these have been fantastic. But this is the one that I was really looking forward to because I wanted to get into the strengths and weaknesses of AI. Because I think that's um, relevant for a number of reasons. Number one is because we are adopting this so quickly, as we've said, 47, 48 times at this point. At least. Um, Sometimes we're using it for things that maybe it shouldn't be used for. Sometimes we're not using it for the things it should be used for. So really diving into the strengths and weaknesses, I think, was uh, was an important uh, an important topic here for us. Really was. And I liked one of the answers you gave when we were talking about the risk factors briefly. Uh, he was talking about data privacy. I mean, especially in this year of our Lord 2023, data privacy is definitely more important than ever before. And I mean, I'm going to use just ChatGPT as an example. Uh, if you're putting in sensitive data, whether that be client data, personal data, whatever, don't put your social security number in there, but if you're doing that, don't do that. Um, we don't know what's happening with this. We don't know where it's going, so it's best to just assume that um, other people will somehow have access to it, or whatever the company is, in this case, uh, generative AI, that's not what they're called, open AI, uh, will have access to it. Um, so just, you know, in terms of data privacy in that regard, being conscious of what you're putting into uh, chat GPT and what that means for you and then also in just regards to making sure it's secure I mean cybersecurity as we love to talk about uh, is a pretty big concern as it comes to more new technologies that are coming out just because they tend to be a little more vulnerable uh, and data privacy in that regard as you're putting in uh, all this sensitive information if you're doing so it's just uh, another vector for threat actors to get to it it really is, and that's why when he talked about should companies be walling off their AI, I mean, the answer to that is, yeah, they should be, especially if you're doing yeah. dealing with anything where privacy is a concern, legal, medical, manufacturing, all of these things, because, um, as you saw, as, as ChatGPT, and we'll just use that one as an example, jumped from 3.5 to 4.0, now you can put a document in there and say, analyze this for me. So, okay, great. So I want to give, uh, I'm a financial analyst. I want to put all my, my clients' financial information there, and I want it now analyzed by ChatGPT. I am handing open AI my clients' financial information. So you've got to be really careful about that privacy impact. Yes. And again, when you're talking about manufacturing, it's incredibly important. If you are uh, making, you know, uh, if you're Intel and making processors for, for computers, if you are Molson Coors and you are making beer, your special sauce is the key to your company, and you do not want to. So, so if you are going to have uh, an AI platform in your company, you probably want this thing walled off. Uh, the other part of that, and one of the weaknesses that Jeff mentioned about AI, is this sort of lack of transparency. A lot of these um, AI models are, are kind of black boxes. They're, they're harder to explain. They're harder to understand. And so it, it's... This can be a weakness because people really do not understand what they can do well, what kind of information is useful to give them, what kind of processes they're useful to, to, to have an impact on. So I think that's another really important thing that he said. Mm, I agree. You know, that transparency also ties back to 
I mean, you're, the importance with you visiting Control Engineering. Uh, controleng.com, C-O-N-T-R-O-L-E-N-G.com. Uh, you'll be able to find great information on artificial intelligence and uh, uh, IA, industrial automation, and just how you can apply that to your jobs, you know, uh, just things of that nature. I'm just always impressed and amused by your segues. <laughs> there are other places you can go. As we mentioned at the beginning, we're across a lot of articles. You can also check us out at Plant Engineering. You can also check us out on Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse. We have all sorts of great information on there. But we also talk about how AI is impacting all of these things. So if you're just interested in AI, you're just here for the AI, we've got stuff on there for you, too. We also have another podcast. If you like listening to Tyler and I talk or... We're boring enough that we'll put you to sleep at night, and that's working for you. We also have the ICS Pulse podcast. Please check that out. We drop episodes every other Tuesday. Uh, I think that pretty much just wraps us up for the strengths. We've covered every... It's been a comprehensive overview of the strengths and weaknesses of AI. Nothing more to learn, nothing more to figure out. Nope, you don't need to look at anything else now. Except for part four, which (laughs) will drop very soon, where we will talk to Jeff one more time about... Uh, in this case, it will be about the business impact and implementation of artificial intelligence. So make sure you're staying tuned for that. Until then, I'm Gary Cohen. And I'm Tyler Wall. We'll see you next time on Bridging the Gap.